0: to Courage to Overcome with your host, Cheryl Jennings. Each week, Cheryl will feature and discuss the many challenges of those living with disabilities, along with the various issues that are faced by their families that are caring for them. So now, please welcome the host of Courage to Overcome, Cheryl Jennings. Welcome to tonight's show
3: on Courage to Overcome. I'm Cheryl Jennings, your host, and as always, I'm very delighted that you chose to spend some time with us and let us talk about caregiving tonight. I have a special guest that's going to be talking about her role in caring for two parents and also helping with her husband when he had an issue. But before I do, I just want to talk a few minutes about caregiving. You know, we have talked about this for many reasons. Uh, Depends on if you have a child with special needs, if you have a spouse that has a health issue or PTSD or a wounded warrior, or it could be that you have a parent that you're caring for. And if you are not aware of it, I think It's time that we just really confront the issue that as baby boomers are getting older and more of us are getting older and going to need more care than ever, we need to step up to the plate to understand that This is something that every one of us needs to prepare for. We don't know what the future is going to be for each one of us, but we do know that the statistics are in favor of you being a caregiver at some point in time. And so if you are a caregiver, we need to give some strategies, some help, some tips in how to handle this job, as well as taking care of yourself, taking care of your job or whatever else that you've got on your plate. And we know that many people today are stressed out, burned out, have so much going on that that they are really having a difficult time managing to take care of their own health while they're caring for other family members or they're holding jobs or they're trying to do 15 other things at the same time. A caregiver is really just a person that is taking care of someone else, if it's a partner, your spouse, a family member, maybe it's a neighbor, but you would be assisting in the daily living or medical tasks that that person needs help with. Formal caregivers, though, are the ones that we look at as far as hospitals are concerned, hospice, those that are paid to take on the role as a caregiver to either help somebody in the home setting by being that daytime person that comes and goes or in some kind of a facility like long-term or just assisted care. But we will find that most of those people who are the caregivers, and there's approximately in 2015, there was 43.5 million caregivers, according to the National Alliance for Caregiving. And there's also another group of people who are paid caregivers, and those people are still out there as oftentimes they're not looked on as being that important, and yet they are vitally important to the care of those who are either disabled or they're getting older, have dementia, or some kind of memory problems and they need to be looked after or they could just have physical problems that prevent them from being able to care for themselves but the majority of the people that are caregivers are women and in fact 65% of the caregivers are going to be women and the average age would you believe this is 69.4 years of age you know younger people will be the ones that are in the caregiving role If they're working more towards helping in a a setting such as a, a place that is going to help with caregiving in home roles, like going in and out of a home but not staying there or maybe in a facility. We know that there are a lot of people who are needed to help in the direct role of caring for people because we have therapists and we have doctors and nurses and staff that is also necessary to take care of the people who are unable to care for themselves. This is a huge amount of the budget each year, and the estimates are rising every year because there are more and more people who will be needing that kind of help. So we need to get real with the fact that if you are not now a caregiver, you probably will be in the future. And the best thing you can do is to learn some of the things that caregivers can share with you who are in that role right now. I'm a believer that if we have people who are caregiving, they've learned a lot of lessons that they can share with those of you who are coming behind, who are Just going to be entering that role either as a parent of a special needs child, or maybe you're caring for your parent, or you could be caring for both of your parents while you're caring for children. It's not uncommon that that happens. But many of the people who are in the role of caregiving, we know as women, are going to provide more care, spend more time in nurturing and taking care of that patient. Than they say that male caregivers do. And I'm not degrading what a male caregiver does. I'm just simply stating that the fact is that we will have more women, and women are going to nurture a little bit more in some of the roles that they have as caregivers. We have a um, big problem that will be happening as we get more and more of the baby boomers who do get unable to care for themselves to actually go ahead and learn right now some of the things that can help them in taking care of people the best way that we can. We know that the caregivers who are paid that is the source of people who are the highest number of turnovers in the workforce. In fact, they estimate it's like 91%. So why do we have all these problems with caregiving? What are some of the issues that we face when we're caregiving? Maybe several people in the family and our health goes and and declines. And that happens very often. In fact, If you are in the role of caregiver, you need to pay very close attention to your own health to be able to manage caring for someone else. Oftentimes, we find people are burned out or they just absolutely get health issues where they're unable to continue to take care of someone else. And the Estimates on that are about 63% of caregivers will pass away before the person that they're caring for. So there's a huge problem out here. We need to talk about how we can help caregivers, how we fit into this picture of caregiving in our own families and our own relationships, as well as what can we do that would help Our neighbors are people that we know that are caregiving and maybe isolated so much that people are not paying attention to the needs that they have. So that's where we're going tonight. We're going to look at when you have more than one person that you're caring for. What are some of the lessons that you can learn? Well, one of my friends I know fits this category so well. And I know that she's done a marvelous job in taking care of more than one person at a time and still being able to carry on and to take care of herself, help her kids with their jobs, and grandkids, support them. And so I tur- turn to my friend Vicki Smith because I want to get some of the answers from her on how has she managed to do this. Welcome to our show tonight, Vicki. Thank you so much for tuning in with us. Thank you, Cheryl, for
1: inviting me. Wow, i I I'm just blown away hearing the statistics. I kind of knew peripherally, and I knew that I could find out from you, but it's amazing how many people there are out there that are having to be in that role, and it's a tough role. It really is. It Um, is. For me, I think it's so important to be um, aware
3: and be prepared. Okay, so we're going to start with that, and I'll let you just kind of open the discussion a little bit and tell us a little bit about what you have done in the caregiving circles. And I know it changes. It has changed over the last few months, but go ahead and tell us a little bit about what it's been like over the last few years for you as being the one that's overseeing some of the caregiving well, I've
1: had to to be the the primary person. It's kind of like all of a sudden you have to parent your parents. And um for me, it's all about their quality of life and it's always always about maintaining a dignity and a respect because that's a very difficult role for them to release that control to say, okay, I, I understand you're gonna you're now the one taking care of me instead of you know the way that it was as we were growing up. So for the last four years, I've had, um, to be in charge of and participate heavily in the care of my parents. And um, about four years ago, my mother ended up having to became immobile, and so we were able to get her into a nice nursing home for that kind of care. So for a long time, we, we went, well, for, for basically the first year or so, it was under the office she thought that she would be getting back out. I did, too. I had hoped to be able to do that. I was thinking of trying to add on to my home to have her come here. Um, uh, they had a condo, and it just became where we could not care for her outside of her having 24-hour care. And we brought caregivers into the house, but you're exactly right, the um The turnover. I'm not surprised that that's the turnover rate. We had a very difficult time keeping qualified people and people there that for a lot of people, unfortunately, in the industry, it's a job. And um, finding those special people that just love the people that they're taking care of, I was very fortunate to find a couple people that were amazing and really having a vested emotional interest in, in the caring of the person and of my parents and wanting to be able to help with them. Um I would caution people to um, when you go when you have to take care of that person, there's a certain point where you have to basically check your emotions at the door and be able to just go in and um, know that you're doing the absolute best that you can. So having mom in the nursing home whenever I would walk in there, one, I was there weren't a lot of other people visiting because a lot of people don't either have family that are nearby meaning the residents, or a lot of them, they just, I I don't know when they visit, if it's a holiday, it's really sad. So I would make sure that myself and when my sister could, she would be there to visit mom. And um, so that we were there basically every other day, one of us was there. And so it was, we got to know the people that were there and we knew that she was getting great care. Um, I did not know when we, when she first went in that she would still be there and that dad would end up needing to have full-time care. So um, last year in March, I knew that I was going to be having, I needed to travel out of the country because I kept putting off my travel in order to care for them, and um, I knew I was going to be leaving, and he'd been in and out of the hospital so much that I finally just said, we need to think about a place where you can get 24-hour care, and that, that was really tough for him to, to give up that um, independence. And so we did arrange that. I found that he, because mom is in a nursing home under Medicaid, um, dad was the spouse living in the community property, his home. um, And of course he would be self-pay. And I can tell you, it's very, very expensive. So they need to be planning ahead. They need to make sure that you have a good, in my case, we found a, a wonderful attorney that was able to help them plan so that we knew everything was taken care of. So in March, I was able to get down into a um, – it actually, it was a, a, a person's home. There was a critical care nurse that had gotten out of that part of it, and her heart was in helping people in hospice situations. So she had space for him there. So I took him there. Very loving people, just amazing on um, in their perspective of caring for these people in the latter stages of their lives. And so um, he, he – was. He went there um, last um, March. So, um, wow. And, then I'll, and, and well, yeah, well, as we continue, I'll fill you in on let, what happened afterwards.
3: Okay. Well, I want to just um, stop you so that we can get some of this information. And I need to take a break. I am so excited to have you here, and we will continue our conversation when we come back. You're listening to Courage to Overcome, and we'll be back in just a moment.
2: Renaissance Woman Trailblazer Maverick. Those are just some of the words to describe to Chandra Poulard, owner and CEO of House of Virgo Entertainment LLC, a woman minority veteran-owned entertainment company based in Washington, D.C. Ms. Poulard served 10 years honorably in the United States Navy and departed from active duty to pursue her dreams of becoming an entertainment mogul. House of Virgo Entertainment offers script writing, producing, directing, DJ services, editing, and more. They cater to businesses, corporations, college students, working professionals, aspiring artists and nonprofit organizations, and employ veterans of the armed forces. Tashandra Poulard is pioneering the way we view media and taking her brand global. Visit her at www.houseofvirgoentertainment.com or call 281-515-3740 and like her on Facebook at House of Virgo
0: Entertainment, LLC. Certified professional coach Pamela Reeves can help you with your relationships. Motivational and image coaching are just some of the ways she can help you enhance all aspects of your life. Her book, Is It Love or Merely a Sick Attachment, helps readers clearly distinguish healthy, loving relationships from toxic ones. Ms. Reeves has put her words into action through Ray of Hope Kenya, an international initiative that provides outreach to victims of abusive relationships there with the goal of helping them rebuild their lives and the tools to avoid abuse. Ms. Reeves operates various business through her umbrella network, Nella LLC, and credits her success to her diverse work experience. Whatever your goals, whether striking a balance, reinventing your image, or simply lifting your lifestyle, Pamela Reeves will help you achieve them. Your life, your call. Dial 410 902 5715 or email Pamela at PamREG01 at Verizon.net. She's also on the web at PamReeves.com and on Twitter at pamela PamelaReeves.
3: Okay. Well, this is just so exciting to have Vicki here because she has really gone through a lot of issues with caregiving. And the fact that she's helped with her mom and her dad has given a different perspective for each one and the kind of care that they were needing. And I do want to mention here, Vicki, that, you know, this is something that we need to be ready to understand that not everybody needs the same kind of care. And it depends on what's wrong with the person. If it's someone with memory issues, it's going to take a totally different turn than it would if it was someone who just needed the help because of health issues. And you mentioned that there was a lady that had a home that she was able to take care of your dad and some others in there. And I just want to mention to people in the audience that this is a possibility. If you are a person that has a big heart for caring for others, and you have a house that is appropriately fixed for you to care for more than one, or can set up a house like that, that's really giving people a more of a one-on-one attention being in a small house. And I know we were able to find that for my husband's mother for her last few years, but we had a total different situation for my dad and for my mom, for my grandparents. So not everybody's situation is exactly the same. So I just want to throw that out there. And then go back to you telling us a little bit more about how this turned out. Your dad needed hospice first before he went to her house. Is that correct?
1: Um, Well, no, actually, we just knew knew that he needed 24-hour care. And the thing is, what you just said is such a valid point, because some people are those social people. And you can take them to places where they'll go down and join everybody for breakfast. They'll join everybody for lunch. They'll go down and they'll play bingo or they'll have church services within a larger facility. And that works for a lot of people. For my father, he was very um independent and very private in that sense, so that finding the home that I found through actually one of his caregivers works there part-time, and when she realized that we needed 24-hour care, she said, um, you know, let's go out and talk to to Christy, and um, so I went out there, took him out there from the hospital. He was being released that day. I said, let's ride out there and check this out. He didn't want to do the institutional, for lack of a better word, type of settings. And so we went out there. Um, it was just a blessing um, because they just got along fabulously. It was like being in his own home. It was like being, you know, of course he had his own room, but there were people that there that genuinely cared. So there would be a, a, the situation was there was one nurse there at all times were just three people, and then they would they would switch. You know, they would have shifts, and then of course the main Christy the main one that owns the the facility, for lack of a better word, she owned too. Um, she would be just down the street, so if they needed her, she could come down there. Wow. She'd been a critical care nurse, so they had all the skills that were necessary. We were very very fortunate. So there are different types of places to get care. And the other thing too is that when you go to research, because I did all the research of the other places, knowing that it, he couldn't go where mom was at because they have a different type of assist facility, um, is to check out all those different, and their reviews and their ratings and talk to people and um, really dive into what the places are like. Be sure to go and visit and check it out yourself um, because you have to know right. that you feel good about taking the person there so, um he he went there. He loved being around them. Um, you have to make sure that do they have um obviously doctors and hospice people that will come there to that facility, and they did so that he was able to get all the care other than dental that I took him to one time in an attempt to do that. Um, and the other thing is, to, is, and as I mentioned that, it reminds me of a situation where um, he needed to have his teeth replaced at, at, at one point in time. And he didn't want to go because he's like, well, I don't want to spend three or $4,000 on teeth. I'm only going to use them for two weeks. Well, you know, that that didn't work for me because you hope the person will be there longer than two weeks. But that's the kind of character that he was. And so uh, we did take him and try to get things done. And the And the, the dentist very nicely explained, well, I don't know that you'll be happy with these dentures anyway. And so we were able to, um, you know, to, to kind of forego that. But it wasn't with the sense that he wasn't going to be there to use them um so sadly he um, had to he had to go into hospice care um let's see, i guess we made that shift on um august first we had we sold the condo that that's a whole nother thing. Um, in having to get rid of the property. I didn't want to have a yard sale type of thing. I wanted to find people that could use. They had wonderful furniture, but, of course, it was furniture from, you know, a while ago because um, they, that they had kept that back when they used to make things out of real wood. And so um, I found different places that, that uh. people that could use the furniture. And we probably gave away you know, 15 wheelchairs, and we had, I don't know, 10 or so walkers, and we had all those kind of things that we could give away because where he went, some of them we took there, but they already had a lot of those things. So, um, and then of course, calling in the siblings to, you know, come and get whatever they wanted. And of course, mom wanted everything she could fit in for her room over there, but we already had it full. So it's a real, it's a tough thing going through. 60 years of marriage, you're going through somebody's whole life, and to me, it was very personal to go through everything and find the best place for those things, to keep the things that are memories, to make sure that all the, your ducks are in a row on documentation and things like that, because for me, there was, there was extreme sentimental value, and we made sure that we um, kept things for them, um, mostly just to hang on to them. I didn't have any more room to put anything places, but I didn't want to let those go, So I made sure that I was going through things with a sentimental perspective. And so um, that made it, you know, just a a better way to do things. And then um, one of the visits out there, of course, we would take him, we would go pick him up and take him over to visit mom at the nursing home. And so um, that way we, we were able to make sure that they stayed connected. I think probably in the long run, to be perfectly frank, that when he did, he passed away September 7th, and um but he he had been he hadn't been able to visit mom for uh, we talked on the phone and everything but he hadn't been able to visit her for a couple weeks because um he had had a cold and she you know and we didn't want her to also get that so it was hard for him to get around at that point in time he has copd really bad so um it was very difficult to get him over there at, at, at that point and so um when they list, when they decided that he would just have the hospice care, and then things, they could tell that things were developing, you know, more rapidly. We act, thank heaven for iPhones. <laughs> so I had my sister there with FaceTime, and and I was had took my went over to mom with with my phone for FaceTime, and we were able to just we made sure that we just had the phone up to his ear, so basically she could see his ear, but she could talk to him, and um, we were we were timing it where there wasn't a lot of you know of. Um, uh, physical reactions like gasping or whatever, but he she was able to talk to him and we know that he heard her and he knows and, and she knows that, that he heard her. And so I think because they had been physically apart for a while, it wasn't, it was still sad and it was still, you know, something that was inevitable. It wasn't as terrible as, as when you see couples that are together side by side for 60 years and then um, something happens, and then typically the the other spouse um, also passes away within two to three months um, because they had been had those times apart. Plus, he was a military guy for for you know his entire in, was career. So there were a lot of times they were apart due to deployment. So they learned to kind of be a little bit independent within within that respect. So um, so that was you know the thing where I talk about preparation is making sure that all the ducks are in a row because we had pre-planned things with you know, with using our logical part of ourselves, we pre planned things ahead of time for them. So when the so we were there, my sister and I were there to be with him at the very end and we were able to to um when we left there, we were able to go directly to put everything into place for things to happen because it was already everything was pre planned. It was all picked out, it was all paid for, it was all taken care of. There is such a relief in doing that and I would strongly suggest that people do that or for your, do it for your own children. Make sure that you have that discussion with them and tell them this is what I'd like to have happen when the time comes. So that's what we had done with mom and dad. I set them down and say, "What do you want me to do? What do you want me to take care of?" And we just had it as a conversation. We 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 did it in a way that, um, in, you know, a loving manner. But I need to make sure that their needs were met. I needed to make sure that their wishes were fulfilled. So when you do that ahead of time and and you know you prepay for things and you have them all in a row it will be so much easier on you when the time comes because all you have to do is go there and say, I'm here, let's let's do this.
3: Well, I'll tell you, bringing up that point, you know, I know that a lot of times the pre-planned funeral plans can sometimes not cover everything too. So that's another issue that people need to look into when they're, because when uh, one of our family members, when, you know, it was pre-planned. It really wasn't planned as much as they thought. And there was still a huge cost, even though we were trying to save everywhere that we could, there was still a big cost involved in it. So you did bring That's up a correct. really good point for people to think ahead. And we don't know, yeah. you know, how much time somebody's gonna need to be cared for, but one of the things that um You know, you have mentioned about the caregiving. You know, here was your mom and here's your dad both needing different kinds of care. And were you able to plan with the lawyer for the different kinds of care that they got for the last? Well, your mom's still getting the help that she needs, but for your dad, for it to cover most of the care? Because when we were checking on caregiving, Uh if if they If they came into the home, it was going to cost more than being in a facility where they had caregiving offered. And I don't know if I think sometimes we're under the delusion that we can get somebody that's just going to want to come in and be the caregiver. And, you know, it's not going to be hard. And it is extremely hard to find people who are reliable and that, you know, are going to be the kind of people to take care of a family member. But when you start thinking 24 hours a day in your home, you're mm-hmm. talking mm-hmm. about a lot of money. And so I'm not sure everybody really has even thought about, you know, we we say things sometimes like, oh, well, I hope I die first. But those are not plans. Those are not the things right. that are necessarily going to happen. And a lot of times when people tell me that, I let them know, well, the ones that have told me that have lived a lot longer than the people they thought they would, you know, that they were going to die first. So, you know, some of our things are wishes. And what we're saying tonight is you need to do some true investigation. You need to look at what it would cost if someone were to come in to take care of you or your spouse or Your mother and dad or whomever you're maybe going to be responsible for to make some of those decisions. And you brought a good point up, too, about having a lawyer help you with some of the things that you just don't know all of the questions to ask many times. Uh, and they can help you think through and find some of the answers or some of the questions and ask you, you know, what do you think about this or that? Uh, We're going to need to take another break, but let me just mention to people, if you're interested in telling others about this program, we will give you how to find this program again so your family members and friends can also listen to this program again because I know it's very helpful, and many times people ask after the program how can I get hold of that program? So we'll tell you about that before we end. Right now, we're going to take another break. And when we come back, we'll be able to pick uh, Vicky's brain a little bit more tonight to get some more information. Yeah. So we'll be back in just a moment
4: battle with weight loss there is a solution founder of weight no more consulting Deborah Simons can help you lose weight safely and effectively through weight loss surgery I know I had the surgery two years ago and I am 135 pounds lighter and medication free this full-service weight loss center caters to your every need as you navigate to a healthy weight following surgery Servicing all of Canada, Wait No More Consulting takes pride in its compassionate care and guides you through each step before and after surgery. Starting with informational meetings, Wait No More Consulting educates each potential client before they decide to have surgery on the health risks of obesity and the various weight loss surgeries available. After surgery, Weight No More Consulting provides a solid support system with ongoing meetings to ensure continued success. Deborah Simons and Weight No More Consulting are committed to promoting your health and wellness through maintaining a healthy weight for life.
3: I just want to mention here the fact that, you know, we're talking about this, but as we are, I just want to remind you that. If you are a younger person, your parents may be the ones that are actually going through what we're talking about tonight in caring for their parents, and it would be very wise of you to get involved in the process enough for you to help out, but also for you to learn what it takes to be the caregiver of someone. Because if your parents suddenly become ill from taking care of the grandparents, then you be placed into that role and there's so much you can learn from helping out and learning from someone who's going through this we're often called the sandwich generation I put myself in there because caring for adults caring for children caring for grandchildren we tend to be the first generation that's had to go through some of these things because I know as far as my mom is concerned she just passed away a few months ago at 97 but her mother and dad passed away so much younger than she was. And my grandmother was, I think, 74. Her dad uh, passed away before he was 70. And so they didn't have all of these years of caring for their parents. And some of the times when I'm talking to a group, maybe at an assisted care place, I try to remind those who are needing the care to be careful about what you demand of the person that's taking care of you. Because if there's something you can do for yourself, do it. Because you don't want the caregiver, if it's your daughter or your son or whoever it is, you don't want them to be so worn out that they end up getting sick from caring for you. And another point that you made, Vicki, I wanted you to talk a little bit about too, was the idea of having an, a lawyer get involved in that. And what's the benefit and what's the, what's, what is it that made that really a good decision, do you think? Well, um, the biggest thing
1: is that it's a, it's a, such a huge responsibility and it's really it becomes a full-time unpaid job because you're getting a lot of times I, I, you, in the beginning, especially you feel like you're being paid in the heart, for lack of a better word. And on um, right. your but it it, it it just it there's so much emotion involved in it and making sure that you do the right thing. So um, we were very fortunate to find a really good attorney. I went I went to one first, had to change because that person just didn't sit right with me. So um, I, we have an attorney and he set up the whole plan. He made sure that with mom being taken care of, that dad would, would still be able to take care of, uh, you know, of providing for himself for care also. He, of course, was a veteran, but it's not always easy to find, you know, the veteran facilities aren't around everywhere and they're full. So, and that wasn't what I wanted to have him do. So, we we had thought in the beginning that mom would be the first one to pass away just because of her health well in trying to take care of her when dad was also trying to help and of course his health his health deteriorated so, um, that's why he ended up over there. Now when he did pass away, like I said, we had everything planned with the funeral. There are additional expenses with about another three grand, even though we'd already um paid uh sixteen nine or something like that. So there's a different thing that you know will happen. And then of course the the people at the nursing home for mom were amazing. They used one of their vehicles, one of their vans to put her in the wheelchair and bring her over there and two of the people stayed there with us for the service. We actually had a little remembrance thing back at the nursing home so that um, mom, you know, because that's the home now. So we had it there. So it worked out the best it could be. Um, but those are all things that you're having to think of ahead of time. When um, when it came time to actually start things to get them settled, my concern is making sure that mom's protected. So I needed to make sure that everything was done the way that she um, would, you know, the dad wanted it to have done for mom. So, I could have probably closed out the estate myself, but I chose to go back to the attorney um, to have him do it. And I'm glad that I did because we ran into an issue. It's really interesting. You never think that you're gonna be part of um, an issue among siblings when the time comes. So um, so because of that, I'm very glad that I've got an attorney involved and I just want everything followed to the letter of what the will said. Um, the other one point I want to make before we all run right. out of time is that with all of this, there's a couple things to keep in mind. Um, Dad passed away in September, like I said, um, on what would have been his 87th birthday. I was planning to go out to the graveside. I'd not been able in taking care of mom. I hadn't had a chance to get back over there. I wanted to go back there I, in reality, because everything's not finished with his estate and things. I don't really feel like I've taken time to grieve yet. I've been just, and I think that maybe I've postponed it, but um, I don't, that doesn't mean I'm not, I haven't been sad. I have been, but I just haven't taken time to actually go through what should be a grieving process. And so I was going to go the next morning to go out there and then go buy and take flowers out there to the graveside, go by and see mom, talk with her and things like that. And um, that morning my husband had a stroke. So, of course, we were at the wow. hospital, at the ER, at the hospital for six days. So um, we're very fortunate that where he had the stroke in, um, in the cerebellum part of his brain, it only affected his balance. So he's done very, very well in recovering. But when I, went to, when I was doing the papers and giving information to the doctors and realized the date, I, I just had to stop. I was like, oh, my gosh, today would have been my dad's 87th birthday. Here's where we're at. And I think somewhere in heaven he w- he was giving us a wake up call, and so I firmly believe that. So we, there was a whole lot of that emotion in making sure that, um, you know, that m- that my husband be taken care of, and he he's doing very well with with that now. Um, but here's what I would do every morning, or whenever I would run into not I couldn't say every morning. I should say um, each time that I had to make another decision, each time that I had to think about another process to make sure that I was doing the best thing I had to stop and have a conversation with myself about do I have any regret am I absolutely doing the best that I possibly can for them you know in their situation making sure that they have the best quality of life making sure that they're taken care of in any way and um, I a a very dear friend that that, you know to Cheryl had, had told me that he said well do you do you feel like you've done the best that you possibly can And I do I, I don't have any regret. I know that that they absolutely had the, that dad had the best life he could up until the very end. I know that mom, I'm doing the best that I can for her. And you, you have to think about that and realize that you're, that you're doing with a clear conscience the best that you ever, you know, that you can do for them. And then that way, it, it, it makes it easier to sleep at night because it's very emotional, very emotional to try to right. take care of, of you know, to make sure that you're doing the right thing. So as long as you have no regrets, then I, I would say that you're on the right path because it's not easy to have to take a loved one and leave them in a place that they don't want to be at. And every time you go in there, because mom would do that. She would play the doctor against me. She'd say, well, doctor, so I can go home now. And then, then she told tell the doctor that I said she could go home now. But we couldn't care for her at home. And I know you weren't into <laughs> situations like that, too. You just have to know that you're doing the
3: absolute best that you can well and that's that's such a good point vicky because we do we do want the best for our family members we are not out to try to do anything that would be against what is best for them and many times the The problem is that we would love by our heart to be able to do more than we might physically be able to do, you know, especially if you're caring for someone else or your health is not very good. And many times people have tremendous regret over maybe placing a parent in a nursing home, but they physically are not strong enough to lift them, to bathe them, to do everything that it's going to take at home. And I certainly understand that. It's just, but it's hard for people. I think it's hard on us to accept the fact that we can't do everything we want to do, you know, for the Absolutely. the people that we love. But, mm-hmm. but what she said is so good, you know, to just know that you're doing the best you can without regrets, that you've done well. Uh, There are so many families that do have difficulties and especially with siblings not agreeing on what's the best thing to do and that's why it's really good to have one person that is absolutely going to be the one that has a decision to make and the others to support them as much as possible because that doesn't happen all the time. And even when you all can agree on something you may disagree on parts of it and so we want to be careful how we treat each other so we don't have regrets with them too that that can be avoided but what you're telling us is such great information now when you had to take care of your husband too i just can't even imagine how much harder it could have been to have both you know your mom and then your dad passing away and then having your husband because have you felt like your health has stayed good throughout all of this? <laughs> it's interesting that you asked that. And I laugh only because I'm currently, you don't know this
1: part yet, but I'm currently wearing a little heart monitor because I was having heart palpitations. <laughs> and, uh, and so I went in and, and the, the guy's like, well, how long has this been going on? And I had you know me. I had to be perfectly honest with it. I just said, you know what? I don't really know. I imagine that it might've been happening for a long time, but I just ignore it because I don't make myself a priority typically. (laughs) And now that I've got one less person to, to worry about, then all of a sudden I went, Oh my gosh, I wonder what that is. So I can't tell you how long it's been happening, but um, that it's literally been on for a little less than a week. And uh, so it's probably supposed to be there another week, but um, it's, you know, just because I needed to check it out. So I kept thinking, I, and it comes back to the point of taking care of yourself. I thought, okay, that's great. I'm, I'm here to be taking care of all these people. When something happens to me, I'm not going to be able to do that. So I guess I need to pay attention. And so I think when you have time well, to breathe and stop and pause, then your body goes, hey, you need to listen to me too.
3: Well, I have to tell you something funny because I was wearing one last week. <laughs> You know, we can say this is what you need to do, but it's hard on all of us to actually be able to put into practice everything that we. Know it's best to do. Uh, And that's why I say, you know, we have to learn how to take care of ourselves. And for some of us, we're so good at caring for other people, we can tune out exactly what's going on in our own body. So I understand. (laughs) And no, we haven't, we didn't know this about each other before this program. I just want to say to people, though, that, you know, learn from those who are doing the caregiving now what can happen, what how you can prevent some of those things for yourself so that you don't have some of the issues to deal with that can arise if you haven't planned ahead, if you haven't got a lawyer to give you some really good advice, Where how will you deal with some of these problems that maybe the siblings don't always agree on? And then how are you going to take care of yourself if you don't have the finances to take care of someone outside of your home? There's a lot to think about in this situation here. We are going to take another break. And when we come back, I promise we're going to give you a way that you can reach us and can find out how to uh, learn more about the caregiving process. But we'll be back in just a moment.
2: Health requires commitment, exercise, a good diet, proper supplementation, and action. So take action today and get your supply of essential liquid nutrients by visiting www.essential-liquids.com. Don't put off your health any longer. Take essential products today and start to measure the
0: difference. Realization of your dreams by making them a reality based in quebec canada joanne is also a space coach using social media and skype to work with anyone anywhere around the world contact joanne Charette today at 819-360-3266 or email her at actionrealization at live.ca 819-360-3266 now is your time
3: Okay, well, this has just been such a fun night to have because I know Vicki very well and have known her for years, but we live so far apart, I don't get to see her. And so this was kind of a wake-up call to catch up a little bit and to really remind me too, that I need to spend more time keeping up with friends and with people that I know are in the same situation that I can be in, in the caregiving roles. And that's one of the things I want to mention, but I also want to tell you that this program is now on iHeartRadio. So if you take, if you have a subscription to iHeart, that's great. If you don't, you can listen to some of the programs for free. If you want to tell people how to, Find it, they would go to iHeart and podcast, and then find the program Courage to Overcome. But if you would rather do what you've done tonight to get on here, go to boldbravemedia.com look for shows and then Courage to Overcome, that's another way that you can do it. And if you have questions, you can write me. You can leave a message on the page. Try to uh, let us know what kind of questions that you feel like would be great for you to get answered. And let me spell my name because sometimes people misspell. It's Cheryl Jennings. It's C-H-E-R-Y-L-G, like George, i n n i n g s at gmail.com and i have a website and there are places that you can get in touch with me it's also on spreaker.com and you would go to bold brave media to find it on spreaker so you have several ways you can share this program tonight's program is program number 91 and if you would like to get on there and find out about about different programs that we've had and listen to them. They're out there, they're available for you to be able to get the information that you need. I love being able to share with people that the very people that I interview are such tremendous resources. And I do have a book that's out there that is made up from a lot of the information that came from some of the interviews and it's called, it takes courage to be a caregiver. It's on Amazon and you can get it on Kindle. And I mentioned this because sometimes people just don't have the time to listen to as many and it just puts together some of the tips and the resources, ways that you can find how to get help, if you're needing help for a special needs child, or if you're caring for your parents. And many times you're going to have both to care for. But Vicki, I am, appreciate so much all that you've done in sharing. And I just want you to take a couple of minutes to try to tell us anything else that you can think of that would be good for the audience to know what did you learn going through this? Because we want people to have hope and to have the humor that you can look at some of the things that happen in life, find that humor and enjoy some of the things that are going to happen. We don't need to be so serious all the time that we forget to notice the funny little things that might happen or being said, and have some good memories from caring for some from someone caring for someone else. But what are some tips that you'd like to share before we're we're through tonight? Just anything you can well, think of. Well, I.
1: Well, like we said earlier, to be prepared and make sure that you've done your, your research because it is a huge responsibility. You want to make sure that you do it right. Um, I, I come across people all the time that talk to me about the fact that somebody else, one of their other siblings is, is supposed to be in charge and they're not really doing anything. Well, then you need to have a heart-to-heart talk with the parents and make sure that somebody that has that will make the time and um, has their best interest in mind, takes over the situation so that there's not any kind of challenges later. Um, I was very fortunate. I found two people. That one is a is a basically a certified caregiver. The other one's just an amazing person. That it it's a it was a coincidence that we happened to find her, and she was able to help all the time. I still retain her to go over and she visits mom once a week and she takes the laundry and gets it done and comes back. To me, um, it's worth whatever it takes to do that because it gives her another person to visit her. So that I'm going and visiting, but we were finally able to get it where I'm going to visit as mom, I mean as as a daughter, and not having to go and visit her as giving more care. So the fact that I'm taking care of everything and replacing the cell phone every couple weeks, and things like that, Um, there there has to be the communication. So in her case, she has a landline and she has a cell phone, too. So I want to make sure that she knows she can can reach us in all ways possible. She'll call me sometimes at 11 o'clock at night because she can't find the nurse button and she needs for them to come and turn her TV off. So, you know, and that's fine. (laughs) That's fine. Um, You know, Uh sometimes she'll call me every 10 minutes because she forgot that she just called me, and then other times she'll go a whole day. And forget that she didn't call me. So you just you just have to be able to roll with the punches. And the biggest thing is what I what I said earlier is that you have to know in your heart that you're doing the absolute best that you can for them, and um, that you've covered you know that you've covered all those bases because you know and then stop and take time to make sure that you're taking care of yourself. Um, I have six grandkids, so I spend a lot of time going and playing with them. That to me is a, that that to me is the fun that so knowing that one of these days they might have to take care of me, but um, they, we joke <laughs> about it with them and they, they would, they say they would gladly do that. So, um, you know, it, it's just, you just have to be able to, you have to be flexible and you've got to know that there's always going to be a way. Sometimes it's just the direction you were headed it has to be changed. You have to move it another way and um, you know, and then just treasure that time that you do have. I, I, um, have questions that i set and asked them before it got too close to the end and i didn't want to have missed those opportunities to talk about different memory things and what did they remember about this and about that because there's a lot of history there and we lose it we don't have ways to know that later and i didn't want to have any regrets that i didn't ask those questions and make those trips down memory lane so that's a, the biggest part that i can oh, think that's of. that's
3: great well, and one of the things I could suggest along with that that I learned from somebody else is to take your cell phone and tape those conversations, you know, when they're talking about yeah. memories from when they were young and everything, because the generations that are too young to really understand now might want to know some of those things later. And then, it, like you said, you know, the information's gone if that isn't written down somewhere. And many of us are going at such a fast pace. We don't take time to write down everything. We think we'll remember it. And then before you know, we're so busy, we've forgotten to write it down. We've forgotten the information. And so, you know, it's good to be yeah. able to tape these conversations. And and if you are having problems with someone that you've just had to place in a, a situation of long-term care or assisted care, Maybe another person can be the one that would interview them and ask them some of those questions for you if they're upset that they've had to be moved. But by all means, try to find a way to keep as much history as possible. And like you mentioned earlier, Vicki, I love that you you talked about going through their belongings in a way that you were looking for the memories that they wanted to keep. Because so many things that I have gotten from my mother were things that she wrote. There were lessons she taught in Bible classes, a lot of things that, that really meant a lot to me because, you know, I I share some of the same things that she shared in loving teaching. And so I was very glad that I got to have so much of the, the things that they had written down. But whatever it is that your parents enjoy doing, you know, try to find a way to preserve some of the good memories that you have of them doing it. And I have to say, one of the things I, I need to share sometime is that. Our little granddaughter that's only 13 wrote a song about my mother and played it, and my daughter had taken a lot of pictures the last trip they went to see my mother, and they put it together in such a beautiful memory of my mom sitting and playing dominoes with the kids and her looking at the— picture albums and telling them what a great life she'd had and the funny things that she liked to do. And, and she told them, you know, a lot of things she did enjoy. And at the end of it, I mean, it was a tearjerker, but at the end of it, you know, it had a picture of her standing at the door waving goodbye. And, I mean, it was hard for me to look at that for a while, but I was seeing it again the other day, and I thought, what a great memory it is. So find a way Mm -hmm. to enjoy what you can about your parents, about your spouse, and thank you so much, Vicki, for being with us tonight. Love it. Appreciate it and wish you the very best. And thank you to our audience for tuning in. And we'll look forward to being with you again next week, right here on BoldBraveMedia.com. Love it. Thank you for sharing this time with us. We'll talk to you later.
0: You've been listening to Courage to Overcome with your host, Cheryl Jennings, be it Down syndrome, cerebral palsy, or autism. Listen each week for an informative look into the lives of those challenged by these and other disabilities today on the next episode of Cheryl Jennings' Courage to Overcome.
2: You've been listening to the BBM Global Network.